You're listening to Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Christmas Eve edition of Sitting Ringside. I'm David Penzer, and once again, we are so glad that you are here on Christmas Eve or Christmas week to listen to this thing we call a podcast. As you can imagine, this is dropping on Christmas Eve. And if you're listening, I want to thank everybody out there for the unbelievable support that you have shown for this podcast. Uh, A year and a half ago, I started out and had no idea what I was signed up for and if anybody would listen. And the results have been fantastic. And every bit of positive feedback, I truly, truly uh, am humbled to read so thank you out there and uh and merry christmas uh happy hanukkah or happy holidays whatever is your saying uh really looking forward to talking to an interesting quote-unquote character and when i say character not only is she the, that character pretty much in real life but uh, also her wrestling character i'm talking about four-time tna knockout champion odb one dirty bitch and we're going to talk to her about her uh travels in the wrestling business being with tna and what she's doing now with her food truck and if she has any interest in uh, maybe wrestling ronda rousey maybe being part of the women's evolution so before we get to that just a quick note uh i i noticed something that i thought was uh was was kind of funny and and how uh how you could be put in a really awkward situation on live television if uh those who watched monday night show last week saw the show start out with all four mcmahon monday night show did i say monday night show yeah, that that ended a long time ago, Penzer. Now I met Monday Night Raw. I was watching Monday Night Raw, and uh, they promised Vince would uh, come out and uh, address the WWE universe, as they say. So Vince came out, Stephanie came out, Triple H came out, Shane came out. They said they were taking over. They said they had failed the fans, and that things were going to change, and that will be determined down the road in the next few weeks and months. So I don't want to shit on them. Or or, you know, hey, uh, I wish them the best of luck. The kind of funny moment, and I kind of felt bad for the guy, is uh, Baron Corbin came out. So you got to be – Baron Corbin's been uh, a major player, I guess, in WWE for maybe two years. And you got to be intimidated standing in a ring on live television in the opening segment of Monday Night Raw with Vince, Stephanie, Triple H, and Shane. Three out of those four people are your boss and then Shane because Shane is just a character on television, doesn't have any business uh, behind the scenes with WWE. He has his own businesses that he runs, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So you have Shane and Stephanie and bear with me here. There's a point. You have Shane and Stephanie trying to get the people to boo Baron Corbin and kind of drown him out. And so Baron went with that. He sort of, you know, he would start to talk and the fans would boo and and he'd stop talking. And then all of a sudden, you could tell that Vince got annoyed. And Vince said to Baron Corbin, talk, you have a mic, they don't. He didn't say it under his breath. He said it on the live microphone, on live television. So basically, you got two of your bosses... Uh, or one of your bosses and Shane basically encouraging something, and then your main big boss going, uh, stop it, I don't want to do this anymore. So I thought he handled it great, uh, but that I just, <laughs> I just the reason I brought it up, it has to be an uncomfortable situation. Uh, it's int- it must be intimidating as hell to be around uh, those people in the ring on live television uh, when you're getting a push, and then when, when you got half of the crew uh, uh, pushing one direction, and then all of a sudden the big boss goes, uh, uh, get to get to getting, and uh, let's get this going. Uh, I thought he handled it fine. I uh, can't imagine what must have been going through his head. I'd have been, just being honest, I'd have been a nervous wreck if I was anywhere near that situation, uh, which is why I was just a mere ring announcer and not a talent and why I'm glad that is what I was. So just an observation that I saw that I thought I would communicate because sometimes I see things that, because I've been around a lot, I see things that uh, 
that other people don't pick up on. And I've not read a lot online about the show, so I don't know if it's been picked up on. But I, I, I got a chuckle out of it and kind of felt bad for Baron Corbin for a better moment. Anyway, uh, want to remind everybody to follow me at Twitter, at David Penzer, actually, actually, also at Penzer Ringside. And uh, next week, our New Year's edition, we are excited, I am excited, uh, to have one of the most underrated storytellers in the history of our business. You know, there's a lot of people that get uh, that get kudos for being great storytellers, but because this person doesn't do a lot of these podcasts and shoot interviews and uh, isn't as open as, as some talking about his career, uh, doesn't get the, uh, the nod for being a fantastic storyteller. I traveled with him in WCW a little bit, and one of the uh, I, I, I think that you're in for a New Year's Eve treat next week. I'm talking about Colonel Robert Parker, Robert Fuller. Uh, family has been involved in professional wrestling, going back to his grandfather and his father and his brother, and, and uh, we're looking forward to the stories that he's going to tell, and uh, also talking about uh, Major League Wrestling. I actually saw Major League Wrestling. I saw their live show for the first time on I didn't realize I had BN Sports. Uh, I was flicking around the channels and there it said BN Sports. So I DVR'd their live show and um, was was nice to see, see Tony Schiavone and uh, the show ended with Tony Schiavone saying, fans, we gotta go, we're out of time. And I texted him immediately and said, after all these years you're still out of time. <laughs> Uh, brings harkens me back to my childhood days back in the eighties of uh, of worldwide wrestling and uh, and and Tony saying we're out of time we got to go folks but anyway I'm rambling so I'll stop and uh, so looking forward to Robert Fuller Colonel Rob Parker and um, his career which really there's I mean his career is his whole life uh, your grandfather is a promoter and your father's a promoter and your brother's a promoter and you're a promoter and uh, basically your whole life so uh, hit me up if you have any questions for uh, for Robert uh, Colonel Rob Parker I also want to talk to him I just uh, googled it recently the uh, the WCW sketch where him and uh, Sherry uh, Martell were supposed to get married and Medusa interfered and uh, interesting to get his take because it looked like it was uh, it looked like one of those segments that Mean Gene held together by the uh, by his bootstrap I mean and if there was anybody that was great in uh, holding a scene that was going off the rails together it was one mean Gene Okerlund so uh, looked like he was the glue that held that those scenes together but uh, they're fun to go back and watch and uh, Sherry is is missed along with so many others so uh, without further ado uh, please welcome uh, four time knockout women's champion one Dirty Bitch is her name. We call her ODB. Jessica, welcome to Sitting Ringside. All right, this week, ladies and gentlemen, on a Christmas Eve edition of Sitting Ringside, we want to welcome a four-time TNA knockout champion. Please say hello to ODB. How are you? Jess? What's going on? Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry <laughs> Christmas to you, too. Thank you for coming on. Uh... How's how's the weather up there? Oh, actually, it's warming up. It's forty degrees in Minnesota. <laughs> That's warm, huh? Yeah, I'm not wearing no jacket. It's nice. <laughs> so you grew up in Minnesota. Weather yeah. weather aside, were you an AWA fan, a WWE fan, a little bit of both? I was a little bit of both. Actually, um, I went to. A lot of like the independent shows when I was very little, and my first wrestler I got to meet was Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Wow! <laughs> and then I, I also used to hang out at uh, the gym where a lot of them worked out at, like Larry Zabisco, the World Warriors, and Smash from Demolition was there, and I got my picture taken with them. I was wearing my Zubas, and <laughs> so yeah, it's a yeah, EWA was shit. That's where it all started, you know. Yeah, so uh, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Oh, my favorite was the Macho Man. I just loved uh, 
it was just so colorful back then and the characters were larger than life and I just got sucked into those storylines with you know like the honky tonk and Jake the snake and yeah, those were uh, those were my all-time favorites. We had we had Lanny on a couple of weeks ago, and I st- I've said this before. To this day, I still think the greatest entrance music is uh, is uh, "Pomp and Circumstance" for Randy Savage. It gives me goosebumps. Oh, oh yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> so you decide you want to be a re- you decide hmm, I may want to do this, and it's kind of if you look on the internet for your history it's kind of sketchy from there i know that you were a top 25 finalist on the first wwf tough enough uh had you had any wrestling experience before you signed up for that show no that was actually my first time i remember the commercial came on jim ross was talking about it i'm like oh there's the way i can get in you know thinking <laughs> and uh so I, I, um, I'd never been into a wrestling school or nothing before I got there and just made a tape. And I actually called myself ODB One Dirty Bitch from the very first day. So I knew that I already had my name picked out. And then I went to, uh, they brought me down to New York where the WWF, uh, that restaurant was. Sure. And I was interviewed by Jacqueline, uh, Mick Foley, Al Snow, Taz, and that was actually my one and only first time ever being in a WWF ring. And, uh, and then they picked me to the top 25, and then I didn't make it to the final show. But right after that, I came home and looked up wrestling schools and knew I wanted to do that. Is that was that listed in the old days under the yellow pages? Was oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> we didn't have Google back then. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm, I'm serious. I, I never looked. And you know, you get out the yellow pages. I wonder if they had wrestling schools. Probably uh, not. I'm sure. I'm sure Eddie. I'm sure Eddie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Sharkey. If, if anybody would have thought of it, it would have been Eddie. Hey, so WWE. So let me just get this straight. WWE flies you up, uh, puts you in a nice hotel in New York City, and uh, how how long were you there? A weekend. Um, yeah, I think like a long weekend. My parents came with me and supported me. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. Like I was such a quiet, quiet girl and going there. It was just I looked way different than I do now. And I act way different. And it was just uh, it was a great experience, though. It was uh, I'm surprised they didn't like uh, pick on me more because they picked on a lot of people that got into that ring and. You know, you, oh, you want to be a WWF superstar, you know, but they were, <laughs> and it's funny because after all that, Al Snow actually remembered me. So he's, uh, he's been a big part of my wrestling career all these years. So you made the top 25. They weed you down. Is, is, is it like American Idol where they put you in two rooms or they just uh, read out the top 10 no, and they, say the rest go home? Yeah, they actually had us all lined up. And then freaking Stephanie McMahon's music comes and she comes out and we're like, oh, my God, Stephanie McMahon. And she actually announced the top 12 to go on onto the show. And then after that, they named the top 12 and then the rest of us losers. They're like, all right, you guys can go now. And then we literally had to be escorted out. So, How but. frustrating is that to make it that far? I'd almost rather not, make, you know, not get called to New York or anything. I don't know. I know it was I know I was so close but I'm so glad I did not go down that route because who knows what my career would have been like if I would have got onto the tough enough show and you know probably wanted if I was on it and then shit I would probably be a mess right now or a drug addict or something no I'm kidding <laughs> yeah the only actually the only person who from that show who had a successful career from the first one at least is Josh and more as a as a announcer than as a uh, wrestler so yeah yeah do you remember did you and Josh remember each other from the tryouts when he first came to uh to TNA yeah actually because his mom was down there with him and his mom and my parents were talking the whole time and yeah I remember him and um who else was oh ja- uh Jackie was there Jackie Haas was uh right a part of the 25 and then she made it to the second one I believe but yeah it's funny how a lot of us do remember each other from those shit that was like 20 oh my god 20 years ago yikes 
It's funny that you say, <laughs> it's funny that you say Josh's <laughs> mom was there because hey, Jerry, my executive producer, we we had Josh on the podcast uh, about six months ago. Wasn't he saying like, oh yeah, my agent called me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we're asking him about his tough enough experience, and he's like, "Oh yeah, my agent called and said we're in the top ten, blah blah." You know, and it turns out he turns out he was there with his mommy, which is fine. No, no worries. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get blocked from. He's gonna block me on Twitter again. I just know it. It was just a matter of time, anyway. So, again, <laughs> again, yes. Oh, so you you go, you go back to uh, uh, warm Minneapolis, Minnesota area, and uh, you hook up with Eddie Sharkey. Who was who else was in like the quote unquote class that you were in? Because there's a lot of talent that came out of that school. Yeah, there's uh Sean Davari was there, and Austin Aries was there. Oh wow! And then I also, and then Ken Anderson was also there. He was a Green Bay guy, but then ended up coming over to Minnesota. Yeah, so the four of us would travel a lot together on the indie indie scene. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I I, I saw on uh, on Google you were pretty ripped back then, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh yes, the good old days. <laughs> I was uh, uh, and when I say yeah, ripped, I was, when I say ripped, I'm not talking about that flask you uh, that you have yeah, uh, to no, take to the ring. <laughs> you were like, yeah, I didn't really drink that much back then. Yeah, was, yeah, uh, neither did I. It just uh, it, it yeah. creeps up on you. This business. See, look what the business does yeah. to you. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but yeah, I um, yeah, I was uh, into yeah, yeah, I was I was more into like lifting weights and stuff, and then. Went through, you know, nice little stage of that crap. And then uh, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? I don't like the way I look right now. So then I, you know, got a pair of double D's and got some tattoos. And I'm like, I like this look much better. <laughs> and, and and you had that transformation in your head just as part of the character of One Dirty Bitch? No, actually, I didn't even know really who ODB was. It took me a long, long time to figure out my persona. I just did it like... Um, the boob part obviously came cause I always felt I was very insecure. So, and I was very with my deep voice and I was all ripped up and people would call me sir. So that's where the whole boob thing came along. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a big pair of boobs and then I'll show them, you know, that I'm a woman. <laughs> and then the tattoo just kind of came about and then I just kind of formed myself into ODB. It just kind of. I let it all out one day. <laughs> so you were, uh, if, if the internet is correct, which is uh, not always, you were uh, dabbled in the early part of TNA in Nashville a little bit, correct? Yeah, me and Ken Anderson, Sean Varied Aries, we would drive down to Nashville a lot. You know, that was when uh, uh, the Jarrett's were in control. And uh, yeah, we'd show up a lot of Wednesdays, you know, just hoping for a match. And they didn't really have... Uh, the girls on, they had them usually in the cages when the guys would walk out. <laughs> and uh, and then they'd have Trinity, and then Tracy Brooks was there. So me and Trinity actually had um, a lot of matches at TNA. Didn't they put you under a different name? Yes, you can thank Abyss for that one. Yeah, they uh, put me under Poison. Poison, right. Because they, they did not like ODB. So You think a company <laughs> that's called TNA would love ODB? I, Exactly right. <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> I'm sure Vince Russo uh, would have vetoed that if he had any uh, stroke at the time. So you, <laughs> your next move was uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. Was um, was that a, under WWF contract, or you just decided to go and hone your craft there? Yeah, I never. Uh, I was never under contract with them, but I would always run into Al Snow a lot, and he's like, you just need to be seen more. Um, He's like, if you don't have anything, you know, if you're not, if you can move, he's like, move to OVW, we'll figure it out. So I, I literally packed my truck up, drove down and showed up at a TV taping and I sat in a room with Danny Davis and Al Snow and, uh, they're like, we're going to put you in the contract class. So I was in the contracted class with all the guys and the girls and, but I still, you know, obviously never got paid, but. I was there training for yeah two years, 
And a lot of the, the women that you work with, Rosa Mendez, Alicia Fox, uh, there's more, mm-hmm. ended up uh, becoming pretty much mainstays in what the, back then was the diva division. Do you think if you would have stayed that you would have been signed? Or you think it was a little too early for ODB and the WWE as, as a diva? Yeah, I think it was too early. That was kind of like the stage of more the diva-ish. Like they weren't... I was. I always got told, no, you don't look the part, blah, blah, bullshit, whatever. Um, but then that's when it was 2007, and that's when TNA, you know, wanted to start the, the knockout division. And I remember Triple H and Shawn Michaels was at um, OVW TV tapings, and they saw me wrestle, and I pulled Triple H aside. I was so nervous. <laughs> and I uh, pulled him aside and, you know, said, hey, you know, I did get an offer from TNA. He's like, take the opportunity. He's like, I think that would be a good place for you for right now. So I did. They really, and I was there when the whole uh, knockout division started, and they really uh, did a 180 from WWE as far as divas go, and they wanted a cross section of uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, different looking, different characters, different body types. Yeah. Uh, I think, it, and if you look back in hindsight, although I hate to give TNA too much credit, I will give credit to Dutch Mantel, who I believe was the brains behind a lot of that, and uh, they yeah. really wanted to. To create something different that now I think has, has has become what you see now on WWE as part of the the female division, no longer called the Divas. Uh, tell me about when you first got to TNA. When did you feel like this might be something special you guys were doing? Oh God, our first uh, our first pay per view, Bound for Glory, two thousand seven. That was because all of us girls have wrestled in the independent scene for years. I mean, it took. Well, I was in the independent scene for about seven years, and with all those girls involved, we we just sat there and we all, you know, all got together. We all were really good friends from being on the road together so much, and we just said, "Wow, this is the start of something awesome." And we just, I think that's why our division was so good because we were a close, become a close family. You know, sometimes you fight, whatever, but it's uh. All of us girls were just so proud to be there, and we just kept. Uh, I think. I mean, that was the start of a freaking evolution, you know. I don't, like, I think so. You know, it was just yeah. We all were so different. We all had characters. They gave us TV time. We were main eventing, you know, TNA, and it was it was something special. And I'm damn proud to be part of that. Yeah, I was there, and I can vouch for that. It was yeah. uh, it was something. There was a lot of pride in the in the the company of that of that knockouts division and i think that was mm-hmm. the beginning of the evolution as you say for sure um yeah. so uh th- you know you go back and you look in so many you know you look at tna angles and they they go up and down and all over the place with all the different talent what were some of your highlights though when you look back of working in tna some of the uh, favorite feuds you might have had or or you know maybe marrying eric young that whole gimmick yeah <laughs> I know the best part of like with my career in TNA, I got to do so much. Like, even if I wasn't part of the women's division, like going after the title, I got to have my own talk show. I got to um, be a part of win a date with ODB. Then I got to be with Cody Deaner. That feud was awesome. That was that actually spiced up the women's division. And then they put me and EY together, and that was just a blast because we just had fun. And you could tell we were having fun. <laughs> like, they just let us do our thing. And then uh, one day they pull us aside, and they're like, you guys are getting married. We're like, what the hell? <laughs> so, like, so that was pretty cool to actually have, a, you know, get married inside of a steel cage and, and actually have them put a lot of effort into, you know, a segment that you're in. It was kind of was pretty damn cool. Yeah, as, a, as somebody who must have watched, you know, Elizabeth and Randy Savage get married or uh, all yeah. the different weddings, it must have been uh, cool to, uh, to to live that. Um, now, I interviewed you for Hannibal TV at WrestleCon, 
I don't know if you remember oh, yep. a couple of years yeah, ago. Years. It yeah, was right when the, the new management and I, everybody that I would interview, I'd ask about the new management and yeah. they, they'd say, oh, you know, everything's great. Love the old management, love the new management, love everything, love, yeah. love the world. Love every-. I ask you and it, I, it actually got me speechless when I went back and looked at it. I didn't know what the hell to say. Uh, <laughs> but I asked you and you said, I love it. I'm glad the old management is gone. Quote, unquote. that's a quote. <laughs> Because I, I wrote it down as <laughs> as a quote because I didn't want to screw it up. So all these yeah. years later, uh, I was I was see I was I was wasn't smart to this whole uh, you know we were we were doing videos, but back then you know to this whole uh, shoot you know uh, podcast type of thing, and so I just glossed yeah. <laughs> over that. I don't know why, probably because I didn't want to, inst- I was maybe worried about what you would have said and, you know, heat and all that. I'm not worried anymore. So if you care to elaborate, <laughs> the floor is yours. Oh, boy. No, it's just like, I mean, you go, like, because I was there for a long time. I was in and out, you know, and it just like, I obviously I know what kind of, like one time when, you know, some people came in, they're going into a different direction with the girls. They want more bikini crap, pillow fights. And then all of a sudden I disappear. I'm like, okay, I get it, whatever. But then I come back six months later, do my thing. And I think I left again for a little bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was, the thing is like, sometimes I didn't even know who the frick was in charge. And you know, I, like, I didn't know who to talk to every time I was, you know, backstage, you know, our backstage was huge. Right. So like every time I went to go talk to some, you know, talk to someone, oh, they turned, you know, they took a right. And I'm like, hey, can I talk to someone around here? And like, there's no one like I could talk to about shit, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, it was definitely just a it was a roller coaster for a few years at TNA. You just you honestly really didn't know who was in charge, and who knows that they even knew who was in charge. <laughs> what What are your speaking of in charge? What are your thought? What were your thoughts on Dixie Carter? <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I, you know, it's I go back and forth with her. Like I don't, I, I, I kind of blame her for some of the times when I was gone. I never fit her knockout mold. Right. These are just my thoughts and feelings, you know. But uh, I said I, I always thought that she was like, oh, I don't know, ODB doesn't, you know, she's kind of out there and doesn't fit the you know i don't even know what her thing of a knockout even meant but sometimes yeah i think that's why i think that's why i was gone a few times because of her i go back and forth on her too i i I, uh you know i see a lot of the things she did is detrimental and then i have a guy like matt morgan on uh early in my podcast and telling the story about how um uh, him and his wife were having trouble uh, having a child, uh, conceiving, and Dixie yeah. Dixie flew him up to see the specialist that she used. Uh, you know, on a, on oh. a and, and then you start saying, "Well, you, you know, oh, you know, how could you talk negative about someone who would be so nice to oh, fly, wow, some, yeah. fly wife and husband up <laughs> to try to give them a family?" So, uh, so I go back and forth as well. Um, yeah. Where where do you think TNA miss? Uh, missed the boat on the char- on the ODB character. In a perfect world, where could they have gone with it? Fuck. It could, <laughs> that's, I, it all, <laughs> it's like, they all kind of, I think it was with me and EY, once we got married, they're like, oh, now what? Now what should we do with them, those guys? Because then EY had his own fishing show. So then he was gone for a little bit. And then I literally, which, <laughs> this is what, like blew my mind the last year or two when I was there, I would literally, they, they would fly me in, you know, and pay for everything. And then I would get to the pay-per-view. I think it was Houston. I think we had a pay-per-view in Houston or something. And they're like, Oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? They've done that to me. Oh my God. Uh, more than once. And I was like, well, fuck, I could have stayed home and bartended or something. You know, if you, I'm like, I better still be getting paid. But it's just like, that just sucks when you're there. Then you're like, oh, I feel awesome. This company loves me, you know? And and even like when we do, you know, four TVs, I get one explosion match out of four days. I'm like, this is freaking ridiculous. It just, to me, like, if you can't write for me, you should be fired. Like, I was probably one of the most easiest characters to write for. 
Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, actually. Oh, and, and you were I mean, over. Come and, on, it's and, like, I'm not kissing your ass or anything, but you were over. I mean, every <laughs> time I was out there announcing you, every you know, no matter when, <laughs> how long you were gone or what kind of stupid shit they had you doing, but uh, <laughs> the fans or you know how many fans were in the impact zone, whether it be 100 or 500, they they were yeah. they, they all popped. They loved it. So it has to be frustrating <laughs> as well because if the audience isn't reacting, yeah. then maybe you're going all right. Maybe it's it's just not working. But when the audience is reacting yeah. and, the, and the company is not it has to be confusing for sure that's the one thing i did get confused about i was like okay i'm i'm having fun i'm doing my thing i'm doing all this stuff and then i'm like but yeah i could see if like oh god if the crowd would just you know oh god you suck it out of here <laughs> and i think i wasn't really ready to go either when i left tna like i knew i had so many more years left but like mentally, I was like, fuck this place. I'm out of here. <laughs> it, like, so I'm not going to stick around for, oh, we might use you. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, any interest at this point of uh, joining the, uh, the the women's revolution in WWE? It might be fun to see like a Ronda Rousey ODB uh, feud. I'd kick her ass. Let's get <laughs> <laughs> she can't be able, she can't tap this shit out. No, I uh. I never, you know, it's, I never knock on their door too hard, um, but shit, I can still go. <laughs> I think they need they need more of a shocking evolution. Like, yeah, they can bring people back from 15 years ago, and you're like, ah, okay, cool. But they need like something that be like, oh fuck, we didn't think she'd ever come here. You know, well, the, apparently, according to the last week, uh, they're listening to the fans now. So maybe, uh, maybe be getting that phone call. What What are your thoughts on that division uh, uh, and how they have elevated it, and the, the TLC match with uh, Charlotte and uh, and Becky Lynch and Oscar uh, killing each other? Stuff that you would never have seen women doing up until recently. Uh, do you watch any of that? And if so, what do you think of it? I do. I do catch it here and there. Um, obviously on social media, I basically see it all in there. I shit they're I mean, they're stepping up to the plate when they're given, you know, main event spots and these big TLC matches they're delivering. And I think that's freaking amazing. Uh, I mean, that's, and they're still going and they're just, I think it's bringing out their characters more too. You know, you got Charlotte just, I think she's a total package. She has everything. And, I think it's just like it's bringing her out even more and Becky Lynch now is more over and I think all like I I do like the division it's very uh they're starting to get more characters they all look different uh the colored hair could probably go a lot of them have too much colored hair <laughs> but uh but no they uh I'm liking it I like the um I like all the different kind of matches they're getting put into and Shit, there's like four, I mean, three, four girl matches on Raw and SmackDown. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, I mean, they, they main invented the, uh, uh, the most recent, a couple of pay-per-views now. And there's rumor that, uh, that, yeah. that Ronda Rousey, uh, whoever she wrestles will main event WrestleMania, which would, which would have, looking, oh looking back, if that were to happen, uh, you know, would you ever predict it? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> that's uh, it's just, cause it's always weird because the women always got put aside for the longest time, and now it's just like holy shit, it's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I, I, I don't, I'm not sure, exactly still sure the whole deal with uh, Becky Lynch. Like I, I st- didn't pay attention for like two weeks, and the next thing I know, she's like Stone Cold Steve Austin over. I know, <laughs> and I'm still trying to know, go. Right? I'm still trying to go back and figure out how that, how and when that happened, because I have to keep my 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 eyes to the to the business since I do a podcast. But she's uh, she came up with the you know that she's the man, and somehow she's the man somehow got herself <laughs> over. But uh, but yeah, good for her. Do you uh, pay attention yeah. at all to the? Uh, Impact Wrestling Knockout Division? And if so, what do you think of it? I I do not. I don't even know. Oh, shit, I couldn't even tell you really who's there. <laughs> I believe I believe as of la- as of uh, the, the when we're taping this, their champion is Tessa Blanchard. Any experience with her? Oh, I have not. Um, I've never been in a match with her. We were just in the wrong, you know. She's a 
blah, probably a little bit more younger than me, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've came, I, I've met her a bunch of times, but never, uh, never got to get in the ring with her. So you had a brief stint in Ring of Honor with the Briscoes. How did that go? And, and what were your thoughts on Ring of Honor as compared to TNA? Oh, right. That was so awesome. I'm just like, when they called me, I was like, oh my God, that'd be so cool. And they're like with the Briscoes and basically it was a feud with the kingdom with Maria. And I was like, oh my God, I've never got to work with her or anything. And we actually, the best part is I debuted at Nashville Fairgrounds. So we're Tina, you know, where it all started. Right. And no one knew I was there. So when I came out, it was just so freaking cool. People were like, holy shit. Because I was basically the first, you know, teenage chick to cross over to Ring of Honor. And that, that was like, they weren't even doing their really Woman of Honor yet. And the crowd, I mean, it just, it got a big reaction. And working with Maria and all those guys were so fun. But they, they made me do a lot of crazy stuff, like, you know, go off the top rope and shit. And I'm like, have you ever seen me wrestle? <laughs> I'm like, I don't do this. <laughs> but it was, it was a lot of fun, but it, like, it just ended out of the blue. You know, it's like me and Maria had our, you know, payoff match. And then all of a sudden I'd get booked randomly here and there. And then it just, you know, stopped. But, uh not sure why, but well, they're looking. They're looking for talent too. So uh, uh, yeah. yeah, they uh, they just lost a whole bunch of talent. So uh, yeah. so as as we saw in that Hannibal TV clip, uh, you have uh, hot sauce and in the have your own food truck now. Tell me about the evolution as to you know at, at some point the wrestling business ends or you know for everybody. Uh, I'm not saying that yours is at an end, but it it, yeah. it does. I mean, you know, you can't do it. Well, uh, tell May Young and Moolah that you can't do it when you're 70 years old. So maybe it doesn't end. But uh, no. But uh, at some point, you got to <laughs> think about life after wrestling. I guess is my point. And um, yeah. And so you uh, started uh, getting into food food truck. I I just got to say, I saw you at uh, at Starcast. And there was, every time I walked by, there was a line at least ten people long. And you, I, you, you probably—I don't know—I'd I'd venture to say I don't know. You know, I've not seen you. As, I know you bartend a little bit and all that. But ha, did you work harder at those those three or four days than you've ever worked before? Because you just went nonstop. It was unreal. It was, yeah, it was freaking nonstop. Like waking up at you know six a.m., going to Sam's Club quick opening up at 11 and I didn't close till about midnight and one day or one night I was open till two in the morning and yeah I was just nonstop. I wasn't even thinking about it but I was like holy shit I just did uh, this in like three days <laughs> and yeah god if I can do that more often if I can get more wrestling gigs with my food truck oh my god that'd be awesome <laughs> Yeah, well, truth be told, the the food and the at the bar and the drinks and all that took forever. So uh, in the hotel, they they weren't prepared for it. So people were walking out and yeah. eating you uh, your your food. Uh, yeah. Tell me about your uh, your food truck. And uh, yeah, I understand. As we said, you're back in Minnesota now. You were in uh, in Florida for a little while. You working with Jim, yep. Jimmy Hart? How uh, how was yeah. how was that? And why did that end? I started, uh, it was funny because Jimmy Hart actually called me out of the blue and wanted me, because he has a bar right on Daytona right. Beach. I've not been there, but I'm and familiar been, with it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful bar. And I've been bartending all my life, you know, ever since I could. And he's like, I want you to come down here and, you know, run my bar, bartend. And then, and I was just wanting to open up a food truck. He's like, why don't you come down here and then. You know, and then you can start your food truck and then have it here. And so I went down there and it was a blast. Like, you know, because you got Daytona Bike Week, you got, you know, Daytona 500, you got all these big events and I'm bartending and the place, you know, was packed. And then seeing Jimmy Hart every morning was kind of fun. <laughs> hey, baby, how you doing? Oh, that was a trip. Yeah, hey, baby. Because <laughs> they put me up in the hotel for a few months and then I actually had my Airstream trailer in front of the hotel for advertisement. And then you had Jimmy Hart's Cadillac. So I'm sure those rumors went around. ODB and Jimmy Hart, what the hell? <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I've known Jimmy a long time. Stranger things have happened. Did I just say yeah. that out loud? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's not good. So, like, just seeing him every day and, you know, talking to him, it was, it was a good experience. And then 
my food truck started really taking off and I kind of had to make a choice of like, I got to go, you know, full time with this food truck to really put it out there. And so then I stopped bartending there, but I stayed in Daytona for a couple years. And then I just had a gut feeling. I'm like, oh, I want to take it home. I think it's going to do really good back home and packed my stuff up and moved back home in April. And it did better this summer than it did the whole time in Daytona Beach. So wow. I was very glad I, I brought it home. And was, But obviously I'm closed right now. I'm going to be closing um, closing for this month. But I'm going to start doing some because we all like to ice fish up here. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to – I'm taking my food truck on the ice in January and February. So I'm excited for that. Wow, that's cool. Do you still have the Airstream camper? I saw a, a video of you with uh, Mickey James in the Airstream camper. That was online. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We took it to a, a GFW show in Iowa. <laughs> that was a fun time. Yeah, I do. Uh, I still have it. I actually obviously closed it for the winter. And then, uh, so, but I'll be opening it up. I'm, it just sucks living in a house right now. So I'm used to living in my trailer. So it's just, uh, I'm getting a little cabin fever staying in a house right now. I don't like it. <laughs> so you can't, it, it doesn't have heat? Is I'm not, I'm not familiar with it, trailers or, or RVs or anything. It, it does, but a lot of the campgrounds in Minnesota aren't open. Ah, uh, gotcha. So I won't be able to, you know, I'm not going to park in a Walmart parking lot all winter. <laughs> so I thought I would just, uh, that I just put it away for a few months. <laughs> so I got a question for you, and I, I didn't even prepare yeah. this, but I'm just curious. So you are in Daytona Beach with your Airstream camper mm-hmm. and your food truck, and you decided to move back to Minnesota. How do you get both back? Oh. <laughs> well, you put a thing on Facebook and saying, hey, I need someone to drive my food truck. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> it, it worked. Oh, did it? You, <laughs> yeah. You can't, so, yeah. You can't hook them both up to a tow. You know, to a. No, there's no way in hell. I'm sure someone could, but I ain't doing that. No. <laughs> that'd be a long, uh, that'd be about shit, 60 feet of towing. Yikes. So. Couple more questions and then I'll let you go. But I'm curious because uh, you don't seem to have. How do you say this? A lot of talent, a lot of especially a lot of women talent, because they get googled over and people send them gifts and you know on on social media and stuff and uh, and, and yeah. they they tend to uh, to. I don't want to insult anybody. They they. <laughs> let's put it this way. You you seem to have no problem going from being a knockout champion one month to coming home and being a bartender the next month. Uh, a lot of people yeah. have an ego issue with that. How are you so grounded? And and it's a good thing, quite frankly, that you yeah. you can just uh, you know you, you don't let your head get so big that uh, that you you know it, it would prevent you from saying oh, I'm not going to bartend. I was the the four time knockout yeah. champion. <laughs> you know that's funny you say because I've actually thought about that and it was weird because even when I was full time you know with TNA I would still bartend like I would be when we weren't live I would bartend and we'd watch me on Thursday nights oh cool and I had no like I had no problem with that I was just smart I was like you know I'm not making a million bucks at TNA I'm uh you know I still I want to do I want to be able to live in an Airstream travel the country and not be a broke ass, you know, former four time woman's champ. <laughs> and like, so I look at, like, especially when I go to these conventions and people aren't doing anything because I think their ego is like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not going to get a real job as they call it or whatever. It's like, fucking, why? Like, it's work with what you got. Like, I've always, you know, I built my brand, my lifestyle became my brand, you know, and. I love like the whole bartending thing because I met a lot of my best friends from the bar, you know, all the locals and and stuff. And it's a good place to network and promote yourself all the time. And so, yeah, it became this became me. And I was never. Yeah. I mean, I think I even brought my title to the bar one night. (laughs) Well, you have a replica with you at the food truck, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's actually it's actually a WWE. The. United States Championship belt because they don't make uh, they don't make the TNA knockout replica. I couldn't find one, so Hulk Hogan actually gave that one to me from his shop in Orlando. Oh, cool! 
Awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So, uh, if people want to contact you in the Minnesota area or uh, want to, uh, you know, book your food truck or book you or or do you still have the, the hot sauce that you're selling? I do. It's on my um, you can only get it on my food truck for right now because I, I cook with it and everything. But you can on social media, I'm under at the ODB BAM. And then my uh, if people want to contact me in the Minnesota area. It's just ODB's food truck at gmail.com. <laughs> and uh, any plans of expanding to maybe another food truck? You know, I was actually thinking about that. I would actually love to have, you know, I would love to keep one down south and do that. That way I'm not off for a few months in the wintertime. And then just, uh, I would love, yeah, I would love the meet and greet all over. The, uh, my, my goal is to have, get a little tour bus and uh, go on all these uh, festivals around the country <laughs> there you go i think we just uh, yeah. defined your future i always I, I, yeah. I always wanted to live on a tour bus too so but not an airstream camper hey no i, I think i think i gotta upgrade i think i gotta upgrade when, when, <laughs> when you look back uh at, at being an original knockout what, what what are you most proud about oh what i'm most proud about uh boy oh i was i was kind of proud about like how I made it and I didn't have to be the mold of whatever, you know, the cookie cutter. Sure. And I think that's what our division kind of spoke about where it's like, you know, you didn't have to be a model. They didn't find this in a magazine or in a video or whatever kind of video. And uh, so it was, uh, I think that's what I'm proud. Like I got to be myself. I think that was, I think that's it. I got to be myself at TNA and I loved it. And I, I made my own brand, you know, with TNA's help. And that's what I thank them for that. Yeah, you could have been, uh, I know you're enjoying your food truck and, and want to keep uh, focusing on that. But I just had a thought in my head that you could have like been the next Medusa with uh, the uh, monster truck scene. Oh, yeah, that would have been actually badass. I actually just met her and we actually had a road trip. I actually brought her home from Starcast. She was visiting family in Minnesota, so we took a road trip from Chicago to Minnesota and had a freaking blast. <laughs> oh, she's great. She's great. I've known her for a lot yeah. of years, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, she had quite a run uh, doing the uh, the the the, the uh, monster car stuff, and uh, yeah, she did it for like fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. I want to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe you need to uh, get in your tour bus and go hit the monster truck. uh, And then you can sell the food stuff outside the monster truck thing and wrap it all up. I know, right? If if, if you end up doing that, that, uh, then at least get me free tickets when you're in in the Tampa area. I'll give you a free sandwich, too. Oh, free. (laughs) What kind of of food do you have? Mostly, uh, like, pork stuff? I am. Yeah, I I smoke all my meat, so I do... um, I do pulled pork and chicken, so it takes about about a good fifteen hours to uh, smoke it all. And my uh, famous, my most popular item is called meat in a cup. It's uh, baked beans, pulled pork, coleslaw, pickle, and my ODB sauce on it. And then you can uh, pick your cup size, B, C, or double D. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. Uh, that, talk, yeah, exactly. Talk about branding, like you just said. You've uh, you've, yeah. you've learned. All right. Hey, hey thank yeah. you so much. Anything else you want to tell the folks out there? A uh, uh, little Christmas wish? Oh, yeah. Merry freaking Christmas. No. <laughs> yeah, just uh, – <laughs> Keep following me on my lovely adventures and my food truck and Airstream on social media at the ODB BAM. And uh, you never know, I may be in a town near you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you and Ronda Rousey if that ever happens. Yeah, I better start training a little more. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, great talking to you. Thanks for your time and good luck in the future with all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, uh, Seems like it seems like you're one of the the rare ones that uh, that have prepared that have have taken your notoriety and 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 taken it out of the wrestling business and 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 just went for it. Went for it. I I respect that. And as an entrepreneur and somebody who's had to recreate themselves uh, after WCW went out of business a bunch of times, uh, I respect. Respect that, and uh, uh, good luck to you. Best of luck. I really, I really mean that. All right, thanks, Benzer. Merry, Merry Christmas, Bam. All right, Merry Christmas. 
All right, I want to thank Jessica ODB for sitting ringside on Christmas Eve and uh, really, really proud of what she's been able to accomplish. And uh, she's quite the uh, entrepreneur. Maybe we'll be seeing her on uh, Shark Tank one of these days soon. But uh, uh, she really is what she is. And uh, no, there's no... Uh, ego to speak of other than the pride she takes in being that character and developing her products around that character so if you don't follow her on twitter i suggest that you do it's always a blast and you never know where her food truck's going to end up if starcast is any indication the food is absolutely delicious and um Want to remind you to follow me as well on Twitter, if you don't already, at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside. Be sure to subscribe so you get this nice and neat in your little email Dropbox every Monday morning. And uh, again, we're looking forward to have our New Year's Eve edition of Sitting Ringside next week with Robert Fuller. If you have any questions for Robert, who's, like I said, career spans his whole life, uh, be sure to uh, hit me up on Twitter and we'll try to get them in. I'm really looking forward to that. And we got a lot of other fun interviews planned for 2019. Do you believe it? The year is almost over. So, on behalf of myself, on behalf of the great folks at Radio Influence, Jerry Pete. Uh, and everybody I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and we'll see you next week to wish you a Happy New Year. I'm David Penzer still sitting ringside. Merry Christmas. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Even though it's the most positive time of year for so many, it's also a negative time of year for a lot of people because your loved ones are no longer here. Your best friend had passed away. Uh, You've lost a parent maybe five years ago, but every holiday, the loss of them and what you had and uh, maybe even you have guilt People can really get depressed during this time of year. So if you have people around you and you know that uh, they have had trauma, they've had tragedy in their life uh, with the passing of a loved one or, or a best friend, not everybody's going to be in a festive mood and not everybody you see is going to be happy. Do your best not to judge people. If they're not just ho, 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 happy. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.